and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Horrible. What? But let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, first uh, things first, come- thanks to Mike uh, for showing up last week. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> was there some fear that he wouldn't show up? Is that, no, just, just I didn't for, know about this. I just, you know what? Way, for showing up in every sense it. of the word. All right. Yeah, you're right. You you're go. right. Yeah, that was awesome. It was a lot of fun last week. Yeah. Um, so uh, I do want to real quick get some thank yous out of the way. Now, these are, this is going to be a little uh, uh, incestuous, I guess, because this yeah. is like in, uh, in Battleship Retention family yeah. thank yous. But uh, I know these people listen, so I want to thank them. Um, Lance Lieber who uh, is the guy who designed our awesome Battleship Retention uh, logo mm-hmm. that you see uh, here, there, and everywhere, um, sent us a Thanksgiving postcard, like, card thing that, uh, I, I get, this is like, three weeks ago. I'm mm-hmm. stupid, and I keep forgetting to... Well, we went a week without an episode, and then we... I just forgot. Um, and then I also wanted to thank Sarah, uh, Sarah Brinks, who writes for our website, um... If these were just listeners, I wouldn't be saying last names. Right. Just so you know. Uh, Sarah Brinks, you can read um, uh, her awesome reviews of things such as uh, um, I don't the, the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2 is one Ugh, she did. Yes. But she does. She she takes the bullet on a lot of like home video stuff that I mailed to her, which is, uh, uh, yeah, we really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, she, she, she leans she into like the a, pitch on that one sometimes <laughs> and takes one for the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. We, she's much appreciated. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, a, a jewel in the battleship retention uh, crown. Um, okay. <laughs> and she sent us an awesome uh, like Christmas package with um, Tim Tams and fried uh, fried dried pineapples. Um, things that the foods that we talk about dry them out. Yeah, right. Things that we talk about a lot on the show, and also uh, some knit caps that I need to ask her if she knitted herself because they look awesome. Now I've not seen any of this yet. I'm I super excited. I'm super excited about those uh, knit caps. Um, are we done with the thank yous? Because it did occur to me something I wanted to talk about at the top real quick. An announcement. Is it, is it that people can find... Is it that we have a guest today? Or is it that people can find uh, professional quality earbuds at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com slash pretension? Huh. Now, real quick, let me, let me remind you. Let okay. me catch it, because I know you know about this, but, yeah, yeah. but I, I feel like you, you know, you're drawing a blank here. So let me just jog your memory. Yeah. Tweakedaudio.com on its own. Yeah. Is a place where you buy, where you can get um, a professional quality earbuds yeah, in, a vari- in a variety of styles and colors at a low, low price. Yeah, I know, I know that. I mean, everybody knows that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. anybody who doesn't know that, they're, they're not worth knowing themselves. Right. Yeah. So if you add that slash pretension to the mm-hmm. end of the URL. Well, surely it's just a flourish, right? It doesn't really mean anything. No. Here's the thing. You go in through that portal, one third off, free shipping. Free shipping, one third off. Right yeah. around Christmas time, too. It's the 13th today. Yeah. And As of recording, yeah. And I haven't asked Bruce when you have to get your order in in order to get it shipped by Christmas. Here's the thing, you know though. what? Christmas is sort of it's 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 loosely defined parameters. You can get somebody a Christmas present on January fourth. And here's the way I look at it: when you receive tweakedaudio.com/slash/pretension ear uh, earbuds, uh-huh. that's Christmas. <laughs> All right, you could get it in July. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's Christmas. It's Christmas Day. Like that's people just go into like that Tiny Tim type thing. But, that's not uh, Tiny Tim. Who says no, it's the little uh, the street, it's the street urchin thing. Street but, urchin. Um, yeah. He so says, yeah. yeah. What day is it? You mean the one as big as me <laughs> and all right. that kind of thing? Um, so um, no, oddly enough, uh, that isn't what I wanted to say. But I'm th- I'm glad you brought it up because okay. I I wanted to say it eventually. Now again, uh, I want to. 
I want to mention again that we have a guest because I want the listeners to feel as uh, apprehensive as I am about the fact that we've gone almost five minutes without uh, talking to him. And yet I still have another announcement. <laughs> um, so, uh, so okay, there's a thing that you can... There's a new feature. It is not regular. It pops up every, every two or three months at this point. Uh Friend of the show. This at, is this is at battleshippretension.com. At battleshippretension.com. That's the one. Uh, friend of the show, Adam Rebitaro. I came up with a little idea a uh-huh. while ago based on conversations that he and I have had, um, in which Adam kind of he he kind of goes into character, and mm-hmm. the character he goes into is a well-meaning idiot. Yeah. Now that's not Adam. Adam is a very intelligent guy, but he goes and, he does, and usually not well-meaning. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> he ill will. He's a bit of a uh, malcontent. Absolutely. And so, uh, but he goes into this delightful character. And so, uh, once while he and I were out, and and several other people, we we had him in as this character named Adam. Uh, start to describe movies that he either has seen or hasn't seen, but he thinks he gets it. Uh-huh. Okay? And so uh, so basically we're doing this thing where you can hear Adam describe movies so that you don't need to see him. Just listen to what he says. Right. You'll get it. So uh, the, it is called Adam Spoils Everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, most recently he talked about uh, Flight. Mm-hmm. You can hear him uh, talk about The Hobbit. He's mm-hmm. talked about the, the latest Twilight film. The, the Twilight Saga, Breaking Down Part Two. That's the one, um, and uh, and yes, I find them. Here's the thing: I find them hilarious. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if anybody else. Oh, thinks, I do. You you enjoy it? I can't wait to listen to them. Okay, all right. It's it's good stuff. So um, so seek that out. You can find it in. Uh, I've posted several like within the last week because I don't want there to be like too much space between the release of a movie and the and the posting of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The flight one in particular really made me laugh. You enjoyed that one? Oh, good. Okay. So you Uh, can find that at battleshippretension.com along with a lot of things. A lot of of, uh, great movie reviews um, and and home video reviews and other other features. And, and of course, links to other podcasts in the Battleship Retention fleet. No question. Now, here we go. Six and a half minutes in. Let's uh, introduce our guest. Now, uh, okay. Our friend, a great friend of the show, Mm-hmm. Been on the guest, been on the been a guest on the show more than any other is, is a guy named Josh Fadum. Mm-hmm. We know how the listeners feel about him; they all love him across the board. No one has a problem with him ever. Um, <laughs> it, he seems to really have a lot of friends who make good movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's true. Like he has like turned us on to uh, you know, um, now our friends uh, Patrick. I, I always get the names, but Dallas Hallam and Patrick Horvath. That's the one who made Entrance. And, uh, again, we got to see that film. We loved it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I guess we know, I guess going back far enough, we know Pat Healy through Josh. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, he's been in all kinds of great stuff, including the recent Compliance, which mm-hmm. people should see. Uh, and so there wasn't much hesitation when Josh uh, said, you should have another uh, one of my friends on the show, especially since the movie that he made is something that I had heard great things about and looked forward to the uh uh i guess excuse to 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 watch it i've got a huge pile of things i I consistently have 20 movies at home that i need to watch so to to bump something up to the top to have a reason to is is yeah being being for it's it's like back in school when like i had to write something and i had a deadline and it's just and 
And it's just like, oh, this is the only way I'm ever going to finish anything. Uh-huh. And so, like, needing to watch this to prepare for today's episode, it's just like, oh, thank God. Because uh, who knows when I would have been able to get to this movie. And I'm movie. so glad I did, because it, it, I, absolutely. I enjoyed the movie so much. Yeah. Um, so... Again, here we are, just over eight minutes in. We're finally going to let him talk. Uh, the The film is called Natural Selection. The director and our guest is Robbie, Robbie Pickering. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I have two things. Okay. I really need some high-quality earbuds, guys. All right. Uh, yeah, Where do I go for something like that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I imagine you're looking for high-quality at a low, low price. Mm-hmm. Preferably. All right. What's your stance on shipping? I'd prefer... Let's say half. No, one third off. Okay, okay. So far, but here's the here's the real question. Wh- yeah, uh, where do you fall on variety? Because mm-hmm. are, are you the kind of person who only wants one choice, or do you want a variety of styles and colors? Yeah, variety. Okay, yeah, you I think of variety. Tweakedaudio.com. That's where that's where I go. Yep. Yeah. Second thing, Dallas and Patrick's movie is awesome. Mm-hmm. I've seen Entrance. Oh yeah. It scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that with my producer at the LA Film Festival, and Edgar Wright was there too. Huh. Edgar Wright saw their movie and my movie, and this he saw like he met us. He met all of us at this retreat for the LA Film Festival for directors, and he's like, "Oh, I've heard about your movie because he was at South by, and with Attack the Block." And he was like, "I'm going to go see it." And I was like, "Yeah, Edgar Wright is going to go see my movie." Edgar Wright brought Anna Kendrick uh. who who he's dating. I don't know if that who cares. But um I don't think I knew that. He brought her to like four or five movies at the LA Film Festival that day. Totally came through. And uh yeah, I saw him in the entrance and then he tweeted about both of our movies and hmm. oh, that's awesome. but man, entrance is a scary movie. Was that at the downtown independent? Entrance played at the downtown independent. I think I might have yeah. been at that screening. As, yeah. as as was the aforementioned Pat Healy. I hung out with him. Yeah, after. and Pat's a, Pat's an awesome dude. I, I love Pat. Yeah, he was in Innkeepers, which is great. That mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, that is a great movie. And I haven't seen Compliance yet. But it's really good. He's great in Great World of Sound too. So. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. But let's talk about well, let's talk about you. Then we'll talk about natural selection. Then we'll talk about whatever the hell you want or we want. Absolutely, um, you, whatever you guys want. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know what that? Oh, here's the thing. That was a trick. What he said was a trick, and you got it right. <laughs> the other <laughs> thing is, me. I in researching the show, I went on the website and heard some of those. Like, expl- I heard the specifically the one where he explains the Hobbit, and it is really funny. <laughs> it's the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> it's it's like your friend who's explaining the movie to you, and you're like. Um, you lost me, man. And he just won't listen to you, and he keeps going. So. Um, yeah, it's a special kind of talent, him going into that character <laughs> and knowing exactly the thing to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, but your name is R- Robbie Pickering. Yes. I don't know why. I have trouble with R's for some reason today. You want to throw it to me anytime you say his name? <laughs> maybe. Maybe I, I used to teach ESL uh, in Koreatown, which is a whole thing. I did it for like four years for adults. And... They they can't hear the difference between L's and R's, mm-hmm. and so I'd have to teach them how to say what part of your mouth you say R with what because they can only tell by how it feels initially, but then mm-hmm. they start hearing it. Interesting tidbit about my that is fucking pathetic life. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that life. Um, I, I love yeah. Uh, I love to ask where are you from. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a, a little town outside of Houston called Jersey Village. Um. Yeah, I, I went to high school with a lot of 
rappers. I went to high school with Paul Wall and Chameleonaire and Mike Jones. Really? They're all like, I don't know if anybody knows them, but they're, they're all like in Houston yeah. and in the South. They're really famous. Um, yeah. at Jersey Village High School. Yeah. I, I know who Mike Jones is most because I know he's a guy who likes to say what his name is in his songs. And he puts his phone number in his song. <laughs> he's like, call me. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really listen to his music specifically. But um, So what was that like? Were you, were you, into, were you into movies as a kid? Yeah. What kind of movies? I think, I think, yeah, I was really into movies when I was a kid, but I, I think like a common thing among, I, I went to NYU and a lot of the the guys I kind of pal around with were all from, the, none of them were from LA or New York, you know, they, they were all from kind of the Midwest or like or San Francisco, places where it's not a big movie culture. And so, um, and we were all suburban kids basically. So, um, I don't think we had a lot of access to initially, at least to a lot of movies. But I, I met. I think I just the. I was really into actors, and I, and I thought I wanted to be an actor um, at first because there 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 was no access to kind of like there were no commentary tracks, you know, you mm-hmm. didn't know, like I wasn't really conscious of a director or writer. Uh, I mean, I saw those credits, but I didn't know what they were. And, and I think w- when you're really young, at least with me, you kind of get this idea that, Oh, I want to do this, but this is acting. Like you think they make the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And I liked a series of, um, films. Like I was obsessed with a series of films um, when I was around the age of 11, 12, 13. It was specifically, it was Outsiders, Tucker, A Man in His Dream, um, Rumblefish, but especially Outsiders, Tucker, Peggy Sue Got Married. Uh-huh. And I've actually never seen Tucker. Tucker, Tucker, Tucker's interesting. It's, it's, all, it's weird who's kind of obsessed with that movie. Um, I'm, I'm kind of probably going to do something with uh, Justin Lin, uh, who did Better Luck Tomorrow, and he's yeah, yeah. big on Tucker. Like he loved Tucker when he was a kid too. Hmm. Um, but um, Justin Lin is also—I mean, Better Luck Tomorrow is where he got, I think what catapulted him. But he's the Fast and Furious guy. Yeah, now. Fa- fa- he did like, Fast Five. He's and, like, yeah, he's yeah. Done at least two of them, hasn't he? Like yeah, three. Maybe the last three. He's doing. Fa- he just got back from Fast Six right now. But I'm hmm. saying, uh, okay, so Rob Cohen did the first one. John Singleton did the second one. I'm the wrong person to ask did about Did Justin this. Lin do three, four, and five, or just four and five? That's I think I he did four and five. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but I got obsessed with those movies, and then there was one film geek at my school named Wayne Kelly, um, who now lives in New York. I just recently reconnected with him over Facebook, that he he just somehow got access to, like, you know Chris Marker stuff and and Angelopoulos and like like he knew all these filmmakers I had no clue who they were and he I was your age I didn't know who the fuck Truffaut was you know uh-huh. and yeah he was my age or maybe a year older and um I think he's kind of the first one maybe when I was 12 or 13 and he, he he was like maybe it was him maybe it was somebody else that kind of clued me in that they were all Coppola movies so I figured out that I kind of at that point started figuring out that, oh, 
I think I like Coppola. Uh-huh. I think that's the. I think I like the world of these movies because he was in kind of his neo kind of studio look. You know, like Outsiders Gone with the Wind for teenagers. This was yeah. supposed to be, yeah. you know, and Tucker is a big you know kind of studio revivalist movie like that to studio studio era type film and yeah I, and Pe- peggy sue got married has a has a sort of like uh well it has it, a, it has a look at the 50s that is probably that is more like it's more like a movie version of the 50s than a than yes, a real version yeah, yeah and and i yeah. love that movie by, by the way i was actually just talking to my girlfriend the other day uh uh, top three Nicolas Cage performances for me. Oh, and Peggy Sue got married. It's it's yeah. it's, it's really it, it's he maintains like that that kind of razor's edge of like this could so easily because he he does his his voice in that everything about what he's doing yeah. in that movie is kind of like so close to like going over the just completely over yeah. the top but my other two by the way are raising arizona and moonstruck yeah we i just watched moonstruck, moonstruck again that's, that's what guys i just watched about. moonstruck again a couple nights ago yeah yeah it's a great movie yeah um, it's really awesome so so i was pretty and i think at that point i really started getting into it and but i think when i was when i was 13 14 my dream was to be on the basketball team and I was stupid. I re- I believed my mom when she said, "Like you could do anything you want if you put your mind." I could not, <laughs> and and I never made the. I practiced six hours. I've never been in, as in love with anything in my life as I was in love with basketball. I mean, I just loved it so much, but I was just piss poor, and I, I kind of thought that when I was sixteen, I was a sophomore, and I thought that oh if I will this to happen, if I just act like this is going to happen, I'm going to make the fucking team. Mm -hmm. And so I reserved this class period. This has a point. I I reserved this class period that was only for the gym people who were in basketball. It was a gym period for basketball people. I'm going to make it. I'm not scheduling anything. That period didn't make the basketball team. And the only thing available at that point was theater. Uh And I had kind of done little plays and stuff or whatever and uh but nothing serious and then i got into theater in high school and at that point i really dived in because wayne was in theater too the film geek and we just started watching movies and um i acted but and i was probably the best in my little small town high school but i knew some of the roles you you played in i played romeo Uh senior year um i played dogberry much ado about nothing i played john boy in darker the moon i i I did a lot of like i did a lot of stuff i was very proud of back then but even back then i knew like i'm not i may be good here but i'm not and i wasn't i i didn't think i was talented enough and not necessarily that I would just was more interested in doing other stuff. And so I started writing plays actually. And I got a couple, you know, just crappy comedies put on at, at my high school. Um, and I went to a film camp at Northwestern when I was 16, met kids who weren't from Texas. Um, learned about the Jewish culture for the first time. Cause I, cause I, there were all these Jewish kids at my high school, but I never was even conscious of the fact that they were. And then I went up there and, and, and all these kids from Chicago and New York and stuff are like, yeah, I'm Jewish dude. Like, like they, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it just made films up there and then, and then came back and, and knew I wanted to be a director. I kind of knew before, but, and I was like, oh, I want to do it. And then I went to University of Texas for a year, then to NYU. 
for three. And then you moved out here from New York? Yeah, I moved out here from New York in 03. Oh, Oh, and I want to tell you that thing about me not not uh, that I couldn't make the basketball team. Uh-huh. I found out. So my movie was at South by Southwest. Um, Natural Selection. In 2011. And right before I went to South by Southwest, I had to go to the doctor because I hadn't had a physical since I was 19. So I go to the doctor, and she'd tell I'm just can't stand on one foot. I don't have any balance or whatever. And she says, you need to go get an MRI. I go get an MRI. Long story short, I have brain damage. My cerebellum, which is the little fist thing at the uh-huh. back of your head, it's, it's like, it's atrophying. It's shrinking. It, it, it's, they, I go to a neurologist. He tells me this. He's like, it's shrinking. My mom has it too. Uh-huh. And basically... He's like, he's like, yeah, it's shrinking. You have brain damage, you know? And I said, well, what is this effect? He says, it's your balance, your, your, everything about coordination kind of affects that, you know? And I'm like, well, how bad will it get? And my mom's not in a wheelchair or anything, but I'm like, how bad will it get? He's well, just continue to, I was like, yeah, but will all I care about, and I'm going to get a little graphic here. All I care about is my smarts and my dick if it, it does it affect my smarts or my dick doc that's it i've never been able to do anything physical i never will be i made peace with that long ago my smarts or my dick and he's like no no i'm like good i'm gold and i went to south by southwest with a clear head ah <laughs> uh, that's great yeah, yeah. those those would be my concerns so that's why i never well. made the basketball team i had brain damage can you drive yeah yeah I I don't know if I'll be a safe behind the wheel when I'm 80, right. you know, but now I'm not a lot of people are anyway. Yeah, I got uh, Yeah, exactly. I, I know there's such a stereotype that that older people don't like look when they back out of a spot, but I was at the uh recently I was at the uh the Landmark Theater on Pico in the underground parking garage and I was sitting there waiting for uh, someone to move ahead, they're waiting for a spot and to my right this guy who must have been about 80 but luckily, also because he was 80, he was going like a quarter of a mile per hour. <laughs> so like, I just felt my car kind of like move over a little bit and then settle again. <laughs> so, like, it's like I, I look, I'm like, I think that guy just hit me because he, he just pulls back in the spot. I get out. I look at the car. There's no damage at all because he wasn't moving at all. Um, I walk up to this window. He's just staring straight ahead. He, 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 <laughs> he doesn't. He has no. He yeah. has no cartilage left in his neck. He can't <laughs> so yeah. I like, and his windows rolled up. So I looked at him. I look at my car, and then I do the thing where I look up to make like see if anyone else. So I could be like, Are you, "You guys seeing this?" And like, yeah. no one else saw me. So I got back to my car and I went and parked. I was driving with my uh, grandpa, and this was uh, very shortly before he uh, could not drive anymore. But we were just driving along. And uh, he just breezes right through a stop sign. <laughs> I'm like, hey, uh, hey, Grandpa, um, there's a stop sign back there. That was really dangerous. <laughs> and he goes, whoops. And he just and he says it, it like he, like it was a joke he was making on me. And, uh, and so I'm just like, eh, he's fine. Maybe I should tell my mom that. Yeah, and I funny. did. And she's like, oh, that's not good. So, and she's like, we could, we both could have died. Why is nobody more upset about this? But uh, old but people get away with the lot. Yeah. <laughs> they sure do. We, saw, we need to clamp down on them a little harder. <laughs> I saw that Seinfeld episode. They can steal and uh, oh, sure, yeah, and he yeah. has that bit about uh, 
I don't know at what age people decide if they back up in the car, I'm not looking anymore. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. decide, well, I'm old and I'm coming back. Yeah. Oh, boy. My favorite uh, old guy on Seinfeld car-related thing is when Jerry buys his dad the Cadillac and his dad's friend, I can't remember what his name is, he's in a bunch of episodes, yeah, it's yeah. like Jack something. Yeah. And he's like, uh, he like he offers him a ride in the Cadillac. He's like, I've ridden in a Cadillac hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm right. sorry to hear about your brain. That's unfortunate. Oh, I, I, literally, I don't care if it doesn't affect my smarts or my dick. Okay. Like, the the two things I had getting the crap kicked out of me in Texas public school was that I was moderately smarter than uh-huh. most of the kids. Um, moderately. Uh-huh. And I just, I I have a... I have a dick that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't say that was a big advantage, but <laughs> right. I just, th- those are the only two things I in- ever have ever enjoyed to uh-huh. any degree. <laughs> so, what, so what you're saying is one way or the other, you're going to make it through this episode. Yeah, yeah okay. one way or the All other, right. I'm going to make it through. Okay. All right. Um, let's, let's talk about natural selection. Mm-hmm. Um, where, um, should we talk, should we talk about the, 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 basic premise of the story is yeah sure like without uh, giving too much away yeah yeah yeah. because it it does have i don't know if you i guess it has what you would consider a twist but it's not that kind of movie either no i more a reveal but there are yeah there 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 are i always have people just tell me what the twist is (laughs) i I just want to i want to enjoy the journey you know but um i i can tell just in basic sense it's about a woman uh uh kind of barren christian housewife in texas small town texas um and and in that community she's very religious and, and in that community kind of not being able to have kids is a obviously a mark of shame for a woman or or she's embarrassed it's humiliating um, and it makes life hard for her. But her husband is a, a great guy. He loves her. Um, uh, and then one day he has a stroke. And she finds out he had the stroke jerking off in the sperm clinic. And that, uh, to kind of satisfy his, I don't know, procreational desires? I don't uh-huh. know. He's, uh, he's fathered, sired many children across the s- southwest. And um, instead of feeling... Uh, Betrayed, she feels a tremendous sense of guilt that she drove him to this, and he asks to see one of his kids before he dies. So she finds the oldest one, 24, lives in Florida, and the story's about her going to get the son and bring him back. And he's kind of one of these guys that you see on reruns of uh, episodes of Cops. You know, he's just a piece of shit. And (laughs) kind of a comedy about them coming coming back to... Going back to to Houston. Yeah. Now, let me... Uh, this brings that description there brought up something that I think is going to be hopefully uh, of interest and won't be won't be fight starting. But Tyler and I have talked about the idea that what a filmmaker uh, intends um, is not always the same as what we interpret when we watch it, and that's not sure. neither one's more right than the other. But when you were talking about what kind of person her husband is, or what her motivations were for, mm-hmm. like what her reaction was. It was actually it's actually very different from the way that I read it. How'd you read it? Um, I, I, I didn't think much of the husband as a person. I think the performance is great, right? Um, and I and I think he probably is. By the end, we see him as a nice guy, but I, I kind of felt some animosity toward him, right? Because I felt like the the way that he was shaming her 
was maybe coming more from him than than from his beliefs or church or his wider beliefs and it was a more personal thing sure yeah um and i also i don't i didn't feel that she was i felt like she was because of who she was married married to or whom she was married to she felt like she should be ashamed yeah but i don't think she really was i, I don't think she's really ashamed of who she is of who she is uh, or of what or of or of her inability to have children i think she just feels like she should be because she her because her husband tells her uh and also her uh is it her sister uh, yeah her sister yeah, yeah. um tells her and, and well and so I, I would I, I would say those two those two points are fine i mean i i think that that most uh, most interpretations I, most what what frustrates me about religion in 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 you know having grown up in a really religious community and kind of what frustrates me with the fusion of religion and politics and less religion and more dogma is that people really i i think it rarely has to do with what the actual scripture says or what 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 the it, and literally what it says is kind of a ridiculous thing to debate but but what the what the intent is i think it 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 often has to do with what people's prejudices are what what they they mold what the bible says or whatever the religious text says into to justify whatever they're whatever they're doing and so mine just i i don't want to get too into like well i want to address intentions. the uh, the to the listeners at least the elephant in the room which is the fact that tyler here is christian we we talked no we talked, talked about it okay. before no I, I, yeah. I, I assumed you had but uh, I, I'm, I'm sure the listeners thought it weird that we weren't saying it but uh, I don't want to sound like I'm moderating a debate here, but what do you think of Tyler? What do you think of those I think things? Everybody, I think everybody in the movie's right on. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. Um, and that'll be. By the way, that joke's even funnier when you've seen the film. Um, <laughs> no, it's. I think. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's one of those things where people they find something, and I'm sure. I'm sure I do it as well. Uh, they find something like in the Bible that they can latch on to. Um, something relatively small, like you, you uh, at the beginning of the film, you have, and I, I wish I could uh, pull it up in memory, but that I guess that speaks to the how quote. Much, yeah, the was it from Micah? I don't recall. I'm, that. I, 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 I think I misattributed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it, it doesn't really matter, right? It's yeah, and I, uh, I it, but this isn't just religion. Mm-hmm. People, people. You know, ascribed art is the same thing. People people see what they want to see in things. You know, yeah. so so it's, it's not just religion. The the film is in no way um, meant to be a, a commentary on religion any more than um, a film, a Woody Allen film, is a commentary on you know uh, the art scene. Well. Yeah, that might be the 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 backdrop for it, but the, the but the real meat of it is just you could describe the whole story without going into um, specifically what world it's set in. It's just a yeah. backdrop. I, I can see, and um, uh, frankly, because I you know looked up reviews and stuff after I read it, it's a mostly well reviewed movie. But some of the negative reviews yeah. point to the, the, have this idea that you were making fun of 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 Christians. Um, I, I, am. Kind of- <laughs> I am. I am. I am, but I don't think... I, I don't have a friend. 
I don't have a friend or family member that I that I like that I don't make fun of and also right. love. Mm-hmm. Anybody that I don't make fun of or any that but most people anybody that you don't make fun of you are not interested in and you don't like them. There uh-huh. it, there's it's the uh, the 1970s uh Friars Club roast mentality of, of friendship. <laughs> well, well, I, 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 which I agree with. So, and, and, and she's got to have it. Spike Lee is making fun of all of those characters, but uh-huh. he loves them all and do the right thing. He's making fun of all of those characters, mm-hmm. but he, it's, it's when you have one without the other. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what we were talking about before you got here is like, the, I find Christian movies, uh, quote unquote, Christian movies, uh, very boring at either end of that spectrum where they're either the, the this piece of shit that i revile called saved you know <laughs> that came out a, a, a few years ago that that i think is a really offensive movie because it just it's sole intent is to kick the retarded kid and and and, we, and everybody on each coast is supposed to laugh at it and uh-huh. me it's cruel and then on the other end is is kirk cameron movies mm-hmm. and so which totally don't make fun oh these people are sacred like uh-huh. yeah. no those people are boring <laughs> and those aren't the people i grew up with so yeah it's uh, the, anyway, the thing sorry. is like there's plenty to to be made fun of uh in christian culture like the stuff that people because having having been part of that culture my whole life but in a lot of different areas of the country you come to realize the stuff that is latched onto and called christianity in some cases is not that at all and so like in an instance like this there's nothing in the bible that says well if you can't do this thing you should feel bad but like you said like with this the the john deal character um like i was looking at yeah, yeah, yeah. uh he you know, clearly he probably came into this relationship with some preconceived notions. Who knows where he got them, but he's got them. And so, of course, he finds where he finds wherever in the Bible says this thing is correct, as opposed to what I believe Christians should try to do is sort of look at the whole thing and recognize what it is trying to say instead of latching onto one little verse here. You know, like the and idea. There's even, of, there's even a reference in the movie with the she says, "Not everyone in our church." feels this way like yes. there's a there's a line yeah. like that that I, I think is important yeah, yeah i mean i live next door to 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 a uh they, they live down the street and they they never use birth control mm-hmm. they never use condoms they never use birth control they didn't have any money and these people had like 10 kids mm-hmm. like catholic no, they were there. I think they were. I think they were, I, I was. I was kind of shuttled between Baptist and Methodist churches growing up. There, I think they were Baptist, but I, that's the Bible. You know, like you can take anything you. It's it's like such a. It, the, you can take anything you want from the Bible as much as you can take anything you want from a Chagall painting. You know, like or, like it. It doesn't. Like during the it election, it should be personal. You during know? the election, what fascinated me was how many people, like, at this point, I think we can go ahead and say that Thomas Jefferson is neutral, because at this point, everyone on every side has quoted him to make their point. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like what, it's like the fact that he says things that are seemingly contradictory. I think that now we can go ahead and say that he cannot be simplified, and maybe let's not just. Let's maybe let's not yeah. pick this one quote that he said and say like, aha, 
Thomas Jefferson has uh, agrees with me. Yeah. You know, because that is usually the tone is this thing agrees with me as opposed to I agree with this thing because then you have to view this thing as yeah. a whole. I, I, I personally find debate I, I I find debates about religion and Christianity very boring. I find Bill Maher very boring <laughs> when every every friggin' episode of that show, which I watch because I'm a political junkie, I am a bleeding heart liberal, uh, uh, but I find it so fucking boring when he he you know is arguing it. So oh come on. Do you think a whale really sm- swallowed a man? Oh, okay, great. Great. <laughs> Fucking Copernicus. That's that's great that you're making that point. Everybody everybody know who knows what happened or who did, what did in my mind, who knows what happened? Who knows what didn't happen? To me, what's interesting about religion and what's inter- is the same thing that's interesting about art is the it's the is the conflict within us that drives us to search for something beyond kind of, I don't know if I'm using this right, this mortal coil, <laughs> right? So, so it's, it's, the, it's the, the, the conflict between like our animal bodies, which are, we're going to die, you know, it's a very nihilistic thing, and, and our minds, which are infinite and, and, and yearn to be infinite and yearn to know truth. Mm-hmm. So to me, that conflict is art and to me art is god you know to to me that's god i i don't i don't i don't know to me i don't know if jesus i i was i don't know if he really existed i don't know if he got nailed to a cross and i don't know i don't care i i believe in it i believe in that i believe you know and 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 i just i just find it all so boring to 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 argue over over that and and i find it equally boring when people just say blanket no like bill maher Uh and and i find it boring when you know john hagee makes up all this bullshit or joel osteen Mm. makes up all this or these literalists make i find both of those positions very boring they're they they don't go to the heart of what is beautiful about it which is which is people just searching for something you know well let's uh, i think that's to bring us back to by the way i appreciate itself i like the deep cut of uh john hagee joel osteen he puts himself out there yeah i don't know you know what's interesting about the movie um any I've never gotten complaints from I've shown it all over the country and I, I don't know if this was your feeling you you could be uh, dissenting on this but I've never gotten complaints from evangelicals oh, in good. Arkansas in Texas anywhere I go I, I've gotten to come up and, and ask me like things and and even even be like conflicted about things I've never ever got the only people that talk about that shit are fucking bloggers from chicago or new york or whatever that suddenly they're so protective of the evangelical community (laughs) okay let's bring it back and they see cues in it like uh at some point i mentioned uh patty smith uh patty hearst pet no, Patty Smith. Um, no, Sandy Patty. Sorry. Oh, okay. Who's a who was my first concert uh-huh. um, oh, right. when I was a kid, and I went with my mom's church. It's, it's just this terrible, overproduced gospel 
like white gospel music. <laughs> and anybody who hears that is like, oh, you know, and, and a lot of people have been like, I got that, you know, like I think I like to think that there are cues in the movie that let people know. And honestly, the people I care most about when they watch the movie are people like my mom and our church and things like that, that I hope they're accusing it, that let them know that, yeah, I'm poking fun of you at you, but I also understand. And yeah, what this guy does in the name of Christianity is really terrible, but also also her, what she does is the most, um, a lot of what she does in the movie is the most to me, uh, positive form of kind of being a Christian person. That, yeah. And everybody overlooks that in the and movie. And so, she manages to change a character who earlier said, no Jesus shit. Yeah. And even though it's not at the end, he's like, you've convinced let's me. Let's not it's give nothing. it away. Though. Oh, spoilers. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but let's, uh, you said something that's, it's not just the Metalira character that is like, yeah, okay, so Linda, that's her name, right? Right. Linda is... The, definitely the best she's not perfect but she's definitely i think the best person like the the just the most good person in the movie and i think it's not only matt O'Leary, i think other characters uh are are are, are made better yeah be, because because of her i think uh i never know how to say the actor's name john grease or john grice john grice yeah, yeah. Who i know from lost and i saw pumping gas up here so uh, up the he's awesome there. yeah He's a cool dude. His movie's good. It's called Pickin' and Grinning. He made a movie okay. recently. Yeah, it's very good. Um, but uh, uh, now you drop me off. Off course. Yeah, she's a, she's a, she's a good person. Um, she makes people better. And we keep we keep referring to Linda. And I think that the thing it's been impo- since I've seen this, it's been impossible for me to talk about natural selection without talking about Ra- Rachel Harris. Yeah, because. Mm-hmm. It's. I was already a fan of of her as a as a comedic actress mm-hmm. um, and, and an Im, Im, improviser. You know, uh, she was uh, had a recurring role on um, you know nine one one as Jim Dangle's ex wife, which I she's think. so funny. On. And, yeah, and, and, and yeah. of course in the Hangover, um, she's she's very funny. And uh, so I liked her to begin with, and this performance is a revelation to me. This is yeah. Uh, she's she's so fantastic uh, in, in the way that she plays. Um, I mean, she plays goodness and naivete without it being boring or bland at all. And she's not yeah. judging her character. That's the other no, thing. She's yeah. not playing the character in this really br- like she sees the humor. But there's a difference between seeing the humor and playing the humor and playing like 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 almost looking at the camera and being like, "Can you believe this?" That's where all of her. You know, we got lucky on that with Rachel um, because I cast her you know the budget of the movie I, I took seven years making it and the budget went from a million to 150,000 mm-hmm. and over the course of six years uh, yeah and we it went from 25 days at a million to 18 days at 150,000 and a lot of actresses came and went and a lot of actresses wanted it even at the 150,000 um, and Rachel was a meeting my casting director set me up on and i just said no right when i heard him say it i said no because i'm a big comedy geek I, mm-hmm. I knew her but i met with her and uh you know one of my friends jo- josh who who's a good director he says that um 
the best casting is hyperbole of who someone really is. And just immediately when I sat down with her, I could see that, oh my gosh, she's, she was so vulnerable, but, but in, in this disarming way. And she's so small, but mm-hmm. tremendously strong. Like you just feel like, like she's, you feel like she can weather anything, you know, she's just yeah. got grit, you know? I, and I feel like in watching the movie, the Linda character, I feel like because she's so naive and she's leaving her bubble and going out into the world, yeah. like there's a part where I, there's a part of me that feels protective of her. Well, but I then would, also because she's so nurturing, there's a part where yeah. you feel safe with her. Yeah. I was looking time. for kind of that Julieta Messina, Lestrada kind of thing. Or, or like, did y'all ever watch rats in them? Mrs. Frisbee is a Don Bluth movie from the 80s. Oh, it's good. Um, but kind of that quality that like she's going to keep on going when nobody believes in her, nobody around her likes her. No, it, you know, and and Rachel had that. And I think we 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 definitely didn't know what she could do. It, we we knew she was good and we cast her. We did not know what she could do dramatically till she got down there. And it was it was i mean it was as revelatory for you to see on screen i mean being there and seeing it was just like a kind of a laissez-faire policy of directing it was hands off this Mm -hmm. just try to be there and and guide her as best you can but do not micromanage this shit And, and i think her comedy speaking to the to, to your point about her not winking at the audience, her we got really lucky casting an improv actress because I think when you cast a comedian, when you cast a dramatic actor for a part that has such latitude from it goes from high comedy or, or low comedy to to drama, slapstick to drama, you know, all these things. It's it's, it's big. The the dramatic actress will most of the time be trying to play the joke, you know, mm-hmm. we'll be, we'll be conscious of playing the joke, but with Rachel, with, with a comedic actress or actor, if they can go to those depths dramatically, you, I, in my opinion, you, you have a wider latitude with them because they understand that they never play the comedy, even when they're on stage. Um, Cause I know, you know, I know a bit about improv and stuff the the moment you get funny um is the moment you stop thinking and they understand that you don't she really understood that you don't play the joke mm-hmm. that if you're funny you're funny when you're saying a dramatic line that there is no difference between drama and comedy it's just a difference of the script you know and and, and what's happening in the story that you're playing every dramatic thing she does in the script is tinged with uh, some sense of humor sometimes it comes off as like tragic humor sometimes it comes off as slapstick but even when she's playing the dramatic moments i think there's just something in her that never gets solemn you know um and and i think that's why it's a great performance and i do th- and i here's she got I uncomfortable by the way whenever there was one point at which i was like oh my gosh i got these i got these rachel harris here she can improv so well and and she she didn't like going off script too much uh-huh. and there was one point at which i was just like okay here's the scene here's the game of the scene you're interviewing him and he's white you know he he's he's giving you crazy answers and 
she got so uncomfortable. Uh-huh. She started saying, I feel like I'm in a groundling sketch. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just making fun of this character. So she, she was absolutely uncomfortable when that mm-hmm. started huh. happening. She took the character so seriously. That's awesome. And I do want to also call attention to uh, Matt O'Leary, who I yeah. actually just saw. I've been a fan of his for a while. I remember seeing him first in Domestic Disturbance, and then I was a big fan of him in Brick. Yeah, he's he was great, great in Brick. That. And then this year I also saw him in uh, Fat Kid Rules the World. Yeah, good movie. Um, and he... I don't know. He's His character in this is actually not that remarkably different than in Fat Kid Rules the World. Like in yeah. both instances, kind of this... Uh, not necessarily a dirt bag, but just somebody that's just like crazy, uh, exploitative to, of other people, and, and yeah. it's just very selfish. He's a little bit less severe and fat kid. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but, but in this, like, the character could have been, and this is not—I don't mean to cast aspersions on on you as a writer, but a lesser actor could have taken that character mm-hmm. and turned him into a caricature of white trash and just like all right i'm gonna play him i'm gonna i'm going to play him even if he doesn't have a mullet i'm going to play him as if he did yeah and stuff like that and just but and it's interesting because he does certain things with like his his voice and his accent where he does really seem like somebody that you know like i'm sorry a couple people that i did know in Missouri. <laughs> you and, don't have to be sorry about yeah, that. Just, you know, like, <laughs> I know the same people. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? They're not listening to this. Um, and so, uh, and just that kind of thing, like, and he just seemed to really, both of them seemed to really get their characters and they didn't yeah. feel the need to play them. They just, they just were them and they, they yeah. didn't need, feel the need to over explain the character in their performance. They just sort of is really kind of a pretentious term, but they just inhabited the characters and just let that happen. Yeah. The best acting is being, you know, yeah. that's why it, I mean, and, and just in terms of like the script, I think for a lot of people came off like maybe a saved or something like mm-hmm. that. When they first read the script, I think for a lot of people, but in my head, it was never that I took the character more seriously. So you're absolutely right. Like it could have been just parody, just cheap laughs yeah. and all that. But from the beginning, I, I, you know, the way I talked to the actors and the way they talked to me about the characters, it was, it was always taking them seriously and fleshing them out, making them three dimensional. Um, and Matt, Again, it, it, he shares a lot of qualities of that character. He's mm-hmm. he's a bit manic. He's he's a conspiracy theorist. It's it's crazy. The kid's head is just running at, at you know 100 miles an hour all the time and if he doesn't have a set there to work on, he's just one of these guys who goes into computer hall and just just is looking up shit about you know the gold standard you know and and like and like can't you know he needs to feed his brain and it's a, it's a bit of an addict's he's he's he is like an addict you know um i'm interested because we're talking about rachel harris we're talking about matt o'leary we've talked about yeah. uh john grice mm-hmm. I'll, never, I'll never get it right i always forget it uh and, and um and we we talked and we talked at the beginning. Tyler and we were talking about having people like Dallas and Patrick on the show, and they they cast um, Susie Block. The, yeah, they cast uh, yeah. Uh, who also was I guess at about the same point in her is at the same point in her career is they are. Mm. Now this is as a first time feature filmmaker. What is the casting process like when when you're when you're um, casting? Uh, I guess you're essentially. I guess the main thing that's of interest to me is that you're. 
uh, unlike what Dallas and Patrick did, you're casting roles that are uh, significantly older than right. you are, and so you're you're auditioning or, or whatever, however you're doing it, mm-hmm. people who are. Uh, maybe more seasoned have been around in the right. industry longer than you have. What's that process like? How do you get these? How did you get these people in? Well, we we Was that comfortable. No, I don't. I, nothing's uncomfortable unless you make it uncomfortable. You know, uh, like like you know, sex scenes. I have a little experience um, directing sex scenes and nudity and stuff like that that's never uncomfortable unless you make it uncomfortable and what i mean is the minute you kind of get embarrassed about it they get embarrassed mm-hmm. about it you know it's 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 just kind of an animal uh, a level of communication that's not said you know they they can recognize your fear and and your hesitation and your your humiliation and and it's the same with calling in somebody that's older than you or more seasoned than you they're just people who shit and jerk off like you do, you know, like, like they're, 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 and if they like the script and stuff, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just think the process was we, we got casting directors from the script. It all starts with the script. And I really believe that I, I got told that when I, when I was at NYU, that, that in Hollywood or in the movie industry, scripts are token of the realm, meaning, mm-hmm all everyone bows down to a good script you know so so even at our level just because we had a pretty good script we were able to get a a casting director the casting director did waitress and uh uh me and everyone we know indie casting director you know and 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 uh they they it's two two women and they they just sent out the word and we didn't get huge people but we got we got two people who were on TV and people who needed a chance and people, you know, as the budget went down, we, you know, you're getting to you're getting to different actors at a million with a first time director mm-hmm. than you are getting to actors at 150 grand with a first time director. I mean, there's, there, you can't get to maybe the the level of fame, but you still have a selection of really great older actors actresses and and actors you know and i do have to assume although maybe i'm uh incorrect in doing so that uh there's a certain degree of comfort in knowing that like well these actors certainly aren't doing it for the payday so they must really believe in in this script there's there's a tremendous amount of comfort in that, but there's also a tremendous amount of pressure in that yeah Mm. you know and the flip side to that is if you don't know what you're doing and if you haven't prepped well enough by that sec Rachel and she she's told this publicly before which I think it's funny she got sent down to my movie we had no rehearsal no anything and she got sent down to my movie now her agent told me told her I'm going to send you down here you call me on the second day of the movie if this guy sucks <laughs> and I will get you out of it so that's the flip side of that uh-huh. <laughs> right so you got to be prep prepared mm. and any like young filmmakers listening you only have one shot to make a movie that's it so don't be an idiot you know <laughs> I, I just i've seen too many indie filmmakers go in there they're not prepared they haven't thought about the movie as the whole they're they're kind of like thinking of cool scenes and stuff like that they aren't thinking of a build they aren't thinking of they aren't 
really evaluating the story, the script. And, and then they get in there and they just make shitty movies. And I've seen it at 2 million. I've seen it at 3 million. I've seen it at a hundred thousand. I've seen it at 75,000. And it's just, it, it consistently baffles me. like, you've only got one shot to make this dude. Like you, why, why would you sit at home playing Xbox instead of storyboarding? Mm-hmm. You can never do enough prep. And, and th- the people around you, that stuff falls apart exponentially because the minute the crew gets the clue that, and, and they're working for the love of it or f- doing favors or whatever, it don't matter if they think you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And the minute they, they sniff it out, things just, it snowballs. The actors get it. Everybody gets it. It just, you're set, you're done. And I've seen it happen, you know? Uh, can you, uh, I'm not sure how much you can divulge, but uh, I'm very interested in that that process of how it, how the how the budget uh, shrank. Can, can you talk about that? Well, I think we started we, we started going out to people in '08. Mm-hmm. So recession, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, it, I I was with a couple of producers um, who said they had the money ready. This was oh. at a million. This was at a million. They were like, we're making your movie next. Then this other movie came along and they're like, okay, we're making your movie after that one, after this one, after this. And they strung me along for four years. And then finally a couple of my buddies who um, had never made a movie, but they 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 were like UPMs on little $75,000, 20 little movies, you know. Mm-hmm. They said we want to we want to make a movie, and they knew my script, and they said let us take it, and we'll raise the money ourselves. So we tried to raise eight hundred thousand, then we tried to raise five hundred thousand, then we, you know, couldn't get that three fifty, and then at a certain point, my friend Josh had made a movie called The Lie, which was in Sundance two thousand eleven, and he he had just made that movie. And he was he was one of the leads in Hump Day, and he had just made that movie. And I I went to him, and he's a really cool dude. And I said, I think I want to make the movie for the money we can raise, which is like a hundred hundred fifty thousand. But I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I. And he knew my work intimately and the script intimately. And at a certain point, I was just complaining. And he looks at me and he goes, Robbie, dude. No offense, but you're really fucking boring me right now. <laughs> and there are two types of people in this world, right? There's one type that'll be like uh, so offended and walk off. <laughs> then there's the other type whose dad always told, you know, my dad always, you know, never told me explicitly, but I always got the point that you're never going to be good enough, you know, and like and and all that. That's the second type of person. And when that type of person hears any criticism, you're like when I hear any criticism, oh my God, how am I boring? Wait, how am I boring? And and so I said, how am I boring? And he and he was like, uh, all our friends believe you can do it. You know, you've prepped for this movie so long. This is what you have, and you do it now, or you do it ten years from now, or not at all. So it's boring. You just complaining. Do it. And that was great. Now, the flip side of that is <laughs> I was dating this actress at the time. 
this horrible actress <laughs> <laughs> and and i've dated a lot of a lot of terrible actresses unfortunately <laughs> and we were sitting around and she was just complaining about having to get headshots and how much it was costing her <laughs> and i was like i know what i'm gonna do um i know and i was i i know it will be very wise right now yeah i know just what to say she's complaining complaining i go louise stop you're boring the shit out of me (laughs) (laughs) and she just got so pissed she just could and i was like no no wait it's this thing my cool friend josh told no there are two types of people in this world louise Oh god! <laughs> it's all right. She was awful, anyways. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so you made it, you you shot it. Where, where where did you shoot the movie? I shot the movie uh, in Smithville, uh, Texas, which is just outside of Austin, which is where Terrence Malick shot all the Waco stuff in Tree of Life, uh-huh. and it, it's a really interesting town because they the whole town is set up. Um, to cater to film productions. So it brings a lot of money into the town. So they treat a $100,000 film the same way they treat Tree of Life. They just cater to everything we needed. And we shot there because the budget was so low and we had so few days to do it. And it's a road movie. So it was, I wanted it to feel expansive, but the budget was so low that we had to make certain concessions from the beginning. And one of the concessions we made, which is brilliant, that this is where it really comes in handy to have a great producer on a low-budget film, is he had a lot of experience, and he said, okay, here's the only way we're going to make this in 18 days. Every location, if we move during the day, they call it a company move during the day, Uh we cannot have any company moves that are not across the street or next door. That's it, right? In a day, we cannot move to a location that is a mile away because it will waste too much time huh. and we will not make the days. So every location in the movie is in Smithville. You know, we'll, we'll film inside a diner is one scene at the beginning of the movie. And then a scene at the end of the movie is the back side of that diner. And then a scene in the middle of the movie is at the side of that diner. That's supposed to be, it's supposed to be in Arkansas, you know, like we, we, that's the way we did it. And we had to do it in a small town to kind of achieve that, you know, it had to be contained and it had to, we couldn't do it in Austin for instance, Mm -hmm. because there's just too much going on, Mm -hmm. you know, too far to move to get these locations. So we did in Smithville. That's a great town. That's fantastic. Uh, now I'm gonna when I when I watch it again I'm gonna be trying to pick out the uh, yeah the locations yeah it's 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 it, you can't really tell in the movie yeah yeah I feel like I've been asking all the questions here no it's fine I'm uh, fine with uh, chiming in my uh, with uh, a question here and there um, I was uh, oh maybe I'll I'll save it I'm sorry okay. go on the, uh, then uh, now I wanted to say, so you've made it. Um, you, you 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 shot it. How long between wrapping and uh, its premiere? You premiered at South by. We premiered at South by. We we wrapped in in April, uh, the year the year Tiny Furniture won South by, and, and mm-hmm. Cold Weather was there, and a lot of other great films. And then um, we started editing around July or August, and then we finished editing. I think a week before we finished everything like a w- 
maybe while South by was going on and we mm-hmm. had to ship the stuff over there. Um, and then it, it, so that we premiered like exactly a year later at South by, and then exactly a year later, the movie was l- released for like a brief theatrical run. Um, and we went to a lot of cities with that. Um, but in between, in that year between you did, you went to a lot of festivals, tons of festivals. And, and that, we were talking before we recorded about you being in, in Paris and, uh, not being able to watch net use Netflix in Athens, Athens and London. Um, I was in Paris for, for, uh, for another thing, but, but in Athens and London, yeah, it just like the, the weird thing about the film festivals is like, uh, and, and the, the guy who made, uh, the band's visit his second movie is kind of like it's not about this but emotionally it's about this this thing which is the the weird thing about the festivals is like you work so long to get to that point you know where you're like being flown to a cool place and like staying in this great hotel and all that and i I would never complain about that i just think this is an interesting thing when you're i mean I'm a, I'm I don't I'm single right and I was single then for the first time in a, since I was 15. You it didn't know? work out with uh, Louise. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that her real name, by the way? Oh, I don't care if I say her real name. No, she she's she's a fine person. We had like a toxic relationship once. I broke up with her once because she wouldn't watch Step Brothers. <laughs> after a year and a half of dating no she broke up with me because i got mad at her so mad at her that she wouldn't watch Step Brothers. that i said to her she said what's wrong because i was being silent about it she says what's wrong and i go nothing it's just sometimes it's like looking down a barrel of a gun <laughs> and she was like seriously over stepbrothers and she walked out and i got to tell adam mckay that story which is the best <laughs> it's a longer story but um yeah I, I i was single at the time and and there's this weird thing that happens when you're when you finally got to this place and you're in athens like in this great hotel overlooking everything and you're with all these great filmmakers you're with i was with evan gladell a lot who made bellflower and stuff <laughs> and nobody's there with you there's nobody to share it it's like it's not happening and and that's what that guy the the guy who made the vans visit who i met in london i forget his name his movie is about this weird feeling of being like alone during that journey and like it doesn't matter isn't that what we have instagram and twitter for now (laughs) so we can share things with people we think i I, I just got on instagram Uh i i i just yeah, I had Facebook though. I I would like do my do my little like. Hey, I'm here. I'm here, guys. Th- thumbs? Any thumbs? Oh, a hundred thumbs. People love me. You know that type of thing. But it's just it, it's it's a strange thing going to the film festivals because it's a lot of drinking. It's a lot of trying to get laid. I never got laid. I have no festival game. My friend. Uh, He'll, he does he wouldn't care but my friend Jake uh, made this movie we call Robot and Frank uh, uh-huh. and he's one of my buddies from NYU <laughs> and it's the, we just exchange stories about being at film festivals where movies are playing really well and not getting laid <laughs> like just pathetically <laughs> looking for a girl and like nobody is interested <laughs> it's like man. do you ever watch Louie? yeah yeah there's this one episode of Louie where he comes off stage and everybody's just seeing him and he's gonna go home and Stephen Wright's like no yeah. stay here man 
stay here. Those girls at the bar just heard you. And Louis stays and he goes up to him and they're talking. <laughs> it's just a super awkward, like, hey, I, w- I was on set. Thanks for coming to the show. And they're like, oh, great, great. In silence and they just keep talking to each other and he just walks off <laughs> and there's something worse about getting rejected when you're yeah. like not even rejected like they don't even care yeah. it's like i've worked i've worked since i was 15 to get to this point just come back to my hotel and like <laughs> touch my thing just do something the, do- the doctor says it's fine <laughs> the, do- the doctor says it's fine by the way that that, that uh wow that full circle episode. The Louis episode goes to uh, goes to strange places from yeah, there. Yeah, like Ray Abraham, yeah, Ray Abraham, yeah, 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 yeah. To, yeah. Chris that. Rock. It's the one where Chris Rock has to drive because he goes out, and there's that woman. Yeah, where, yeah this is a great episode. Ah, damn it! I'm gonna have to edit this now. Okay, so um, so you're you're at the festivals. You're, you're not getting laid. Um, well, what was the thing you were gonna? Well, it actually save for has later? to do. It actually has to do with the, with the festivals because um, a long, long time ago we had Aaron Katz on the show. Oh, I think Cold Weather is such a wonderful movie. Still haven't seen it. Everything about it sounds wonderful. Yeah, it's I know, so up your alley. I know, I know his producer movie. Brendan McFadden really well. I really want to meet him, but man, Cold Weather is is is. I just thought was such a. Great! I saw that right before I went to South by Southwest with my DP because he was here coloring. He's he's based in New York, and we were just like blown away. We thought that was such a great movie. And uh, what was it? so he and uh, Reed, Andrew Reed, his DP Andrew Reed, yeah, Andrew who, Reed, yeah, who goes by Reed. Um, he uh, so they were on the show and they were talking about doing like the festival circuit and that and that sort of thing. And it sounded it sounded fascinating, but also just the way you're describing it. And you kind of answered my question a little bit, like it sounds so lonely, but just the whirlwind quality of it, of just you know everyone seeing this thing that you worked so hard on. So it's got to be very exciting that like oh my movie is being seen by yeah. a lot of people and they seem to they seem to mostly uh, be responding positively. Um, but do you ever just feel like, not unlike the the Louis thing, where you're just like, I made it for sexual purposes or otherwise. Uh, I made this movie, and people are just are like, oh, that's great. Like that movie was really great. But they don't see you, yeah. Really, I mean, it's it's really kind of a. I I I I would love to go on the festival circuit again, but I don't want to go through the pain of. I I mean. It's conflicting because I I like the festival circuit Mm -hmm. and I like traveling and and meeting, especially meeting the filmmakers and and getting to see, you know, 500 people in Athens when the country's like on strike that packed house for your movie and they love it or in London where they where you know it's a tough crowd, but they they love the movie, you know, stuff like that is so great. But. You know, then there's being in Germany at the shittiest film festival, Oldenburg, which I'm not afraid to say is the worst run. It's a cancer. <laughs> it, it is just such a horrible film festival. And being there and, uh, you know. But you have to treat it as if it were every other film no, festival. No, and, and, it's, and it's 10 people are there. Oh, for your movie and, and you're in Ger- you're stuck in this small town in Germany for 7 days where you know i a lot more happened i i, I sound like you know like somebody 
humble bragging here or like complaining about something that was really awesome that like a festival like that was just like terrible like the the, the people were terrible who was who's who was putting you up at the at the is the festival putting you up Do the you festival know? puts you up um yeah you, usually if you're going to europe or something like that see here's the thing about that shitty german festival i had to miss warsaw which is a great festival because I went to this crappy German festival and it just it just really wears on you to be in this to be so isolated and just like you're, you're traveling so much mm-hmm. I can't write in that environment and and when you couple with that that with the festival is just terrible now now that festival was a, an exception to the rule but you know, it, it is exhausting to to be going. That's not what filmmaking is about. As fun as it is, it's it's not. You you got to keep working on stuff. And when I'm not writing, I just feel kind of like you know, writing or working on something. I feel kind of me personally. It, it feels kind of empty, and it might be fun. Like something like Little Rock was the best, you know. But and I, I wouldn't trade those some of those experiences. But I think doing that. After a year of it, it just gets it gets it just gets really it wears you down, you know. One of my favorite quotes uh, that I've ever heard about uh, filmmaking, specifically independent filmmaking, was by uh, Orson Welles, who, after the first, after with the exception of one or two movies, basically had to fund all of his films himself, of course. Um, but uh, he said, you know, so much of filmmaking. He said, you know, it's two percent filmmaking and ninety eight percent hustling. Uh, and yeah. basically just making all this stuff happen. And so like going as, and especially with, you know, a film with a budget of 150,000, yeah. I mean, like y- you need to pedal it as much as you can. You need to be, sort of be the face of this film because, yeah. you know, but, Rachel's going to, but there's a different, a there's, there's a difference between hustling. That's creating something new mm-hmm. and hustling. That's for something that you've already done. You've already spent something. Yeah. And, and, and especially when it's your first film and, 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 I, I know all my friends who are first-time fil- filmmakers uh, pretty much are going through this or have gone through this. It's like when you make your first film and it does moderately well, like it, it, your second film is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, a terrifying prospect, and you just want to put it off as long as you can. Your tendency is to do that. And these film festivals just give you an excuse to do yeah. that. Now, it, the film festivals are great. I, w- I would actually do it again, but I just wouldn't do it – it just after a while, it's like you gotta mo- you gotta let go of this thing and let it out into the world, and you can't. I mean, I felt so responsible for. I have to go to every film festival that I can, and just and I got so just kind of dogged about it mm-hmm. when it should have been more like a relaxed. Like I don't know if I want to go to this film festival. I kind of gotta. I gotta you know work or get back in my group i thought i had to be on every one i thought i had to i thought if one person that that is going to be at this film festival if i can i thought if i can be there even if they hate the movie i can be in the q a i can be charming or something and convince them that you know maybe they'll tell somebody it's just at that point it's selling something that's not at a point it gets like what Orson Welles is talking about is hustling to make your movie. Mm-hmm. At that point you're not making anything, you're selling mm-hmm. something and that something that you've already made. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point it's like, you gotta just, I mean, and then the film gets released and you're crushed by nobody showing up and you're 
keeping track of how many seats at this theater and Kansas City is, you know, it's just, oh my God, it's just, it gets that, that I think really, um, that's the hardest part about it. That whole, after you've made the film, Mm -hmm. you know, at least in your first film. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really like about kind of the mumblecore ethos is just keep on going, like keep Mm -hmm. on making stuff all, all the time, you know, like Swanberg, you know, that's, if you get stuck Mm -hmm. in your past work, it's hard enough to move on, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, let's, uh, this brings us to a good place to start wrapping up the episode. What, uh, can we look forward to? Because I want to say, right, I want to take a second to say, I really think your film is awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I want to make you. I want to make that clear. I, you know, we've had filmmakers on the show before, and when it's someone like it's a film like Entrance or like this one, I want to make it clear. I really think the movie is 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 really great. And is there uh, uh, when we'll be getting like a like a, a DVD release? And it's been released on DVD oh, it and has? Blu-ray, okay. so it's available on Amazon. Okay. It's available on Netflix on DVD. It should be on streaming soon. Okay. It's on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and v- it's on VOD in a lot of houses. Oh, cool. It is, it is uh, listeners, it is, not that our listenership is going to help out that much, but um, just because they're unhelpful. But uh, <laughs> the, um, it, is wor- it is absolutely worth, yeah. worth watching. I, I was very engaged by it. And I'll be honest, I, my, view- my viewing of it was split up into two halves. Like I started watching it and then I uh, got busy with work and all that. And then I finished it last night. And I went in. A little, you know, after the first however long, I was a little trepidatious as a, you know, as a as a Christian myself, right. just being like, "All right, where yeah. are we going with this?" Uh, and then, if, admittedly, that that only lasted about twenty minutes, but like, uh, and then when you see where it goes, and you see the the arc of of the three main characters, and then the the fourth, uh, I'd say, kind of a secondary character, yeah. It's it is it is incredibly satisfying, and I'm sorry it's probably embarrassing to like come on here and just have us just compliment your film uh, in front of you. But no, it is, it is that's wor- fine. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is absolutely worth seeing, uh, however you can, and uh, recognize that with a film that is as you know fairly small as this, like get the word out as much as you can. You yeah, know? sure. I mean, it's 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 very important. I, I just want people to see it, and we worked really hard on it, so. Oh, so what is, what is next? Next, I am uh, <laughs> I'm doing a film at at Sony, like a like a studio film that's uh-huh. like a horror comedy um, that somebody else wrote. A friend of mine, not a friend, but he wasn't a friend. <laughs> he wasn't a friend before <laughs> I got I I got before I got the job. He wasn't. I didn't know him, but he, he's a very talented writer named Orin Uziel. Um, and uh, he wrote this horror comedy called uh, Kitchen Sink. I don't know what it'll be called when it's released, but um, I've worked very closely with him on that, and and we just got greenlit uh, recently. So we're, we'll probably we'll f- film that in in, in summer, ho- hopefully. And then um, I'm doing something, hopefully with. Uh, the guys at Rough House, David Gordon Green and Jody Hill and, mm-hmm. and Danny McBride, which is like a L.A. noir kind of long goodbye type thing. Oh, cool. Um, and then um, I'm, I'm th- there's kind of TV stuff in the mix mm-hmm. that that I, I want to do TV stuff. Um, and then uh, and then I'm writing a, another one just on my own that I kind of want to do for like 
a hundred thousand. I, I, I really, in terms of budget, I, I, I would be really excited to do a movie for cheaper than I did yeah. natural selection. Yeah. It's just a good way to work, man. I, I would encourage anybody who, I just, there, there's so many people out there who, that I know that are trying to make their indie film and they're waiting for everything to be perfect. And just at this point in time, to me, the most interesting movies being made, at least in the indie world, the studio world is kind of a separate thing, but in the indie world are not the $3 million movies with, you know, you know, I, I don't know what actors in them. John Hawks and Helen Hunt. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but, but they're not that they're, they're more like bellflower or they're more like, uh, well, Entr- entrance was like $6,000. Yeah. To me, to me, they're movies that are being made for 250 grand and, and lower. And, and it's possible to make a good movie for that. That looks like a movie. I mean, look at Lena Dunham with tiny furniture mm-hmm. is a great example. Cold weather is a great weekend, which was yeah. Andrew Haig's movie yeah. is a great, example like to me those are the most interesting movies being made now and most of them now aren't even being made in what's thought of as the mumblecore aesthetic you know which Mm -hmm. which is kind of anti-aesthetic i think but you know movies like tiny furniture and weekend and Mm -hmm. and all that they have their own aesthetic and and kind of a they look like movies you know so i think the and and bellflower certainly I, I'm a big fan of Evan Goodell and Belfar, but to me, those are the most interesting movies. So I'd encourage anybody. I'm excited to keep making those movies. Well, hopefully, um, as these things uh, uh, come out, you'll uh, return to Battleship Retention to talk about. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, y'all like the next one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if we don't, we'll give you a forum to to explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and guys, just one more time, I really want some earbuds. <laughs> good ones though lots yeah. of variety no like, shipping like what level like amateur level or maybe like professional level i've done the amateur level ones yeah don't like it so much i yeah. think i want professional level earbuds guys Look, i mean you've, di- gotta, you've directed a feature film professional yeah level. at this point when i when i had directed shorts yeah amateur level but now i've directed a feature yeah i need to i need to step up my game guys right where do you think I can get these? I've got a line in a place, but I don't know if I want all the listeners to go there and like it won't be the cool place anymore. Right. Oh come on! Wanting, you, you think know, I should? You want yeah, in, in do Disney it, man. Come on. All right, come on. All right, come on. It, it's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. What's that? Tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Wow. But don't ruin it. Be cool. All right. After yeah. You've yeah been there be before. cool, guys. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know what? Like, if anybody who gets the their earbuds now before it explodes. Uh-huh. Yeah, not the earbuds. They'll be fine. I mean the the, the website. Oh, yeah, these are not gonna. Yeah, they're not they're not uh, like joke earbuds. But um, you know, then they can say like I I got tweakedaudio.com slash pretension earbuds before it was cool. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, um, you can find, uh, obviously, earbuds at tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. You can find us, uh, our show, our reviews, our uh, other writers' reviews, links to the other podcasts in the fleet, all at battleshippretension.com. You can email us, david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the pretension. Uh, follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast, the television uh, review uh, wrap-up uh, show previously on, is at previouslyonshow.com. You had your finger up? Is there something you wanted to say? 
Yeah. Do we want to? Uh, it's just. I'm going to ask. What do okay. you want to say? Uh, well, I, I, I got this on lock. I know. Uh, I know. This has nothing to do with more than one lesson. It has more to do with with us. Okay. Uh, this is episode 299. Uh-huh. Uh So next episode will be 300, and we'll we'll have plenty of uh, maudlin things to say then. But uh, but thanks for uh, sticking with us. This is very exciting. Yes, you know? yes, this is very exciting. Um, and, and next week will be uh, uh, a lot of fun of a sort of a loose and freewheeling episode, as we often. Pretty much every 50 episodes, we pick two of our favorite guests mm-hmm. and have them on uh, to just shoot the shit for a couple hours and yeah. that's what's going to happen next week it's going to be a blast um ravi where can people find you on the internet on, on uh, twitter just type in my name on facebook uh, <laughs> I, I got an instagram too recently <laughs> now i'm not on twitter uh they should just go to amazon.com uh-huh. and order my dvd exactly or they should go to itunes and rent it or buy it and then, and then they should go to Netflix and order the DVD and put it in their queue for when it's on streaming. They should do all three of those things. Yeah, that's or else. Yeah, I, the way I see it, that's the only way they can really support you. Is to I mean, do all every single uh, unless they really dig shitty movies, and they should not do any of that. And. It's only if you like awesome movies. I know there's some people. You know, out if there. you like the shitty movies, like maybe, uh, maybe like for a change of pace. Yeah, like I'll try. I've been I've been looking to try not shitty movies for a while. Yeah, but I I don't know where to start. <laughs> Natural selection. There, there you go. Natural selection. Uh, I'm glad you brought it home because I was I was. Yeah, yeah. I was I was a bit scared about that one. I, I was considering literally just kidding. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> just, right. We just we just do the Mike Schmidt thing and just fade fade me out while the music comes up. All right, uh, Robbie. Again, thanks for being here. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.